Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hey there, and welcome to a midweek episode of the Sun Solar Panel. I am lucky enough to be here with Gerald Bourget of PHNX Suns. How's it going, man? I'm doing great, Dave. How about you? Good, good. Uh, you'll notice in Gerald's background, it looks very much like a hotel room. <laughs> Uh, I, <laughs> the Suns just played a, a back-to-back in, in L.A. and Portland the last two nights. And uh, one thing we all noticed was that Gerald was actually on site. He was in the, uh, in the, in the media coverage. You know, we can hear him asking questions uh, right next to Dwayne. I think Dwayne has been lonely on the road. And, and so um, <laughs> tell us about you joining Dwayne on the road for these Suns games. Yeah, it's been nice. I, I won't be doing every Suns road game, obviously, but I get to uh, go on a couple of road trips this season, which is a first for me. I've been covering the team. I think this is my seventh year now. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of cool that I was able to do that and check off a couple of NBA arenas off the list. I had actually never been to an NBA game as a professional or otherwise outside of Phoenix. So mm. got to check two off in, in the last 48 hours or so. So you did Staples? And mm-hmm. what I like to call the Rose Garden, but it's it's Moda Center now, right? Now it's well, it's not Staples yeah. or Rose, right? It's <laughs> what the hell are they called? Crypto.com. Crypto.com arena. Right. Listen to me, I sound like an old guy. Crypto.com, that just got changed the last few. What's funny is we all want to remember it as staples, but staples just a branding too. <laughs> It's not like some Ronnie right. Staples bought the branding rights. <laughs> People forget that Staples yeah, was actually I, I think a financial retailer. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I feel like there's a lot of criticism of the name. I think it wouldn't be as bad if they didn't have the .com in there or if they had gone with like Crypto.com Coliseum or like something that rolls off yeah. the tongue than, you know, Arena. I don't yeah. know. Anything, anytime you put the dot com in the, in the name, it just seems kind of weird. I mean, it's so much cleaner just to be called footprint center, Mm -hmm. right? At least we didn't have the dot com, although footprint doesn't make any sense in Phoenix either. So the naming rights, you know, it doesn't bother me. None of this bothers me. People got up in arms when uh, the, um, that came out about crypto.com arena and then, Rose Garden being renamed to Moda Center in the Suns Arena. Everyone loved Phoenix Suns Arena. We didn't complain about that. It's the right. uh, it's the footprint center that people complained about. Heck, why don't we just go back to America West? Can 
Does somebody own the naming rights still to America West, even though the airline is defunct? We could just call it that. Everyone that would be, happy, be a right? that, yeah, that'd be a great return to form. Somebody would be upset about it because that's just how this stuff works. But <laughs> Sarver could get a discount on the on the naming rights for America West. I, I'm I'm pretty sure he could figure that out. But then he doesn't want a discount, right? He wants somebody to pay him a ton of money. So there we go. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's get a little bit more serious here and talk about more than just arena names. Uh, mm-hmm. Tell me about your experience. So first of all, Gerald mm-hmm. works at PHNX Sports now, uh, covering the Phoenix Suns, and that is a great new venture by some of my old pals, uh, Sal. Uh, I'm going to call him Sal, and I'm <laughs> going to call him Greg, just because I can. Um, those guys uh, running that running that network over there. How's how's life been with PHNX? It's been good. It's been really good. I mean, I, I loved my time at Fansided. I was there for like seven years, but a lot of the Sun stuff that I was doing was kind of uh, extra or on my own time. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it got a little drained. Obviously, I loved every minute of it, but uh, it's nice to just be able to focus only on Sun stuff. And like, that's my job. Like, I go to practice, I go to games, I get to go on road trips now every now and then. Like, it's it's kind of exactly what I've always wanted to do. So um, it's been great at PHNX. Um, I love everybody over there and, you know, I'm, I'm getting a little used to being on camera more often. That's never been my thing. I was a, I was always a print journalist. I have, I have the face for print, but we're. No, actually you have the, you have the, you have the face for television, but you never used it. So you're, you're good there. I'm the one with the face for print. (laughs) Espo has a face for print and radio. Oh yeah. But it's, I mean, it's, I'm getting used to it a little bit more, but I'm, I'm really enjoying it. And I feel like I'm, because I'm able to just focus on that, I'm I'm putting out some of my best work yet. So that's the goal. So hopefully we can keep that moving forward. Yeah. Gerald's doing great. I would have offered him a full-time job covering the suns with bright side of the sun, but uh, two things got in the way of that. First of all, we have no salaries, so it wouldn't have helped him. And second of all, I'm the one who wanted to go to games. I didn't want to relinquish that to somebody else. So I got the pleasure of sitting next to Gerald for the last seven years, uh, working next to Suns. And finally, we're covering very good Suns teams the last couple of years. It's pretty fun, actually, ending the game and going into the press conference after the game, uh, looking forward to seeing a smiling Monty Williams Mm -hmm. as opposed to or coach, Suns coach of any kind as opposed to um, trying to explain once again how they lost <laughs> another game. Uh, yep, so, and we covered uh, DeAndre Aiden and Mikel Bridges and Devin Booker mm-hmm. actually experiencing their own 17-game losing streak mm-hmm. just three years ago. Uh, and um, in that same season, there were, losing, there were four different losing streaks of six-plus games. So it's kind of interesting when just uh, this year, obviously, the, uh, the that trio um, not only comes off a finals appearance, but then experience an 18-game winning streak. Mm-hmm. And then when they lose one game, they've lost two games in the past 22. Mm-hmm. They're 22 and 2. Actually, 20 now, 21 and 2 in their last 23 games. But coming off a loss... DeAndre Ayton's just like, oh, this isn't happening. I need to come back. I need to play. I don't care how sick I am. I'm going to play this back-to-back in Portland. He was close to being coming back anyway. Monty probably didn't want to play him back-to-back right after losing 10 pounds from having the flu and all that. Uh, but 
And so it may have been a prescribed return anyway for Tuesday, but Aiton is basically, we don't lose two games in a row. Chris Paul, we don't lose two games in a row. <laughs> Isn't that nice to be able to cover a team that doesn't lose two games in a row anymore? It's gnarly. I think it only happened like three or four times last season in the regular season. I know they only lost three games in a row once. And like this year, they, I think that's why people were panicking. Yeah. Well, we don't, we don't want to talk about that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I I feel like people, that's part of the reason why people were panicking when they started one and three, it's because they lost two games in a row. And we were like, what? Like this team doesn't (laughs) do that. Um, but it is really nice to be able to go into a post-game presser and be able to talk about actual basketball instead of which Morris twin got a tech and why he threw a towel and all the other stuff we had to talk about. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that is pretty nice. So uh, take us through your road trip because uh, a lot of obviously almost everybody listening to this has never done a road trip for, uh, you know, covering a team and all that. So. Did you fly on the charter with the with the team? Did you did you uh, play poker with the guys <laughs> in the back of the plane? Tell me how it went. I wish I uh, I flew <laughs> in, <laughs> I flew independently. Um, let's see, I got into L.A. about midday, um, so I wasn't able to go to shoot around, but um, met up with a friend and then was able to book an Uber down to Staples Center and that. Uh, you got to give yourself more time than you think to get to these arenas, especially because I didn't even think about this, but you're not familiar with where anything is in the mm. arena. It's a completely yeah. new place. Um, so I'm like wandering around looking for the media entrance, wandering around looking for a bathroom, wandering around looking for where the pregame stuff is. <laughs> like, um, And they didn't—they never tell you that Staples Center feels like cavernous. Like it's very, it feels very, like obviously all these stadiums, when you go down into the deeper levels, it's underground. But like Mm -hmm. Staples Center felt it has like old bones, I feel like. And like you go into the actual arena and it's like smoky in there. It just very much feels like you're in a cavern. Um, Mm. But it it was cool to it was cool to be there. But um, covered that game. And obviously, from a writing standpoint, that was rough because there wasn't it was one of those games that you'd kind of just flush it and move on. Like they were missing so many players and they just kind of got beat by double figures. but yeah, so then you. It seemed like on Monday the Suns uh, uh, just weren't there, right? Mm-hmm. It's like after seeing so many uh, games, so much evidence over the past year and a half, the Suns have more wins than any other NBA team since the start of the bubble. That continues mm-hmm. to be true because they're they're still the second most wins in the league this year, and Golden State's the only one with more wins this year. Um, last year, the only team with more wins was the Jazz. And and uh, nobody had more wins before the playoffs uh, started in, in the bubble. So we're used to the – the team is used to wins. They don't let up. They don't have bad games. They don't have no-show no games. But it kind of seemed like they, they uh, threw that game uh, away pretty quickly on Monday night. And, and uh, even before the game was, was kind of over, uh, they were over it. Uh, did you get that sense? A little bit. I, I think they just they struggled to find a rhythm, and they really needed. They started one for thirteen. Yeah, they did, and they and Mikael Bridges wasn't aggressive until Monty kind of got on him in that third quarter. Um, you know, they're playing Ish Wainwright and Jay Crowder at center behind Javale McGee. Like it, it really just wasn't their night in terms of who they were missing, and 
um, they just weren't hitting shots either. A lot of shots that they are capable of making weren't following. The Clippers had a good shooting night, and the Clippers are a good mm. defense, so you got to give them credit. Mm. But it was definitely – I was starting to worry I was the problem because in Portland last night they had a couple opportunities to kind of extend the lead maybe a little bit, put them away early, and, of course, it came down to the wire in overtime. Um, yeah. But luck, luckily a much better performance You'd have last canceled night. your future trips. <laughs> Yeah, I know. It would have really <laughs> cut back on the travel budget after that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not going to work. It's not going to work for us. Uh, yeah. So on on Monday, uh, part of the problem also, of course, as as you alluded to, is all the centers were hurt, except for Javale McGee, and Javale himself got into foul trouble. I think he had three, two fouls in the first quarter and three by mid second quarter, I believe. Yeah. And Jay Crowder, his primary backup simply because he's got a little bit more muscle in his body than most of the guys. Uh, but he's still just six, six himself got three fouls before halftime. Mm. Yeah, it was, so, I mean, it was, it was a tough. lot of foul trouble and that, that already hurts when you're down. Like, what was it? Five or six guys, yeah. whatever it was. So. They had 18 free throws. If I recall this correctly, 18 free throws before the Suns got their first two. Yeah, yeah, it was, and it, I think it was, I think it was 14 two at halftime or 18 two at halftime, something like that. It, it was, was 18 not, two at halftime. The Suns got yeah. a couple at the end there. I think Chris Paul created it, might have, uh, somebody did or a campaign. One of the two got yeah. free throws right before half. Yeah, it, it, it just, yeah, it really wasn't their night, and that was. Uh, that was a difficult one because, you know, obviously you want your first road trip to be like, wow, something really cool happened. Let's write about it and be on scene. And that was kind of one of those games where being on scene didn't really add much. I, I mean, I ran into Frank Kaminsky in the tunnel and he gave me like a kind of pseudo update. He, I asked him how he was doing and he said, I'm doing, I'm doing better. I'm still working to get back. He was saying like, I, that was a tough one to have to sit there and watch and not be able to help especially with the lack of lack of depth at center. But um, fortunately, the road trip improved from there. So that's always yeah, good. exactly. Okay, at this point, let's just take a quick break and talk about our friends at DraftKings. Football fans, I'm sure we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. You got to do this. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win 100 bucks in free bets. It's that simple. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. And if you download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now using promo code TBPN, that's TBPN, bet $1 on any team to score, any team at all, and win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TBPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. So uh, just to just to finish off the Monday night conversation on, on the on the Clippers game, uh, the Clippers made, you know, 40 percent of their threes, which was helpful, very helpful for them. And the, and the Suns made, uh, I think, 15 uh, percent or something is terrible yeah. uh, campaign looked like he was really pressing campaign as a guy. 
And Cam, Cam Payne, Cam Johnson, and Mikkel Bridges uh, were guys, basically, they were the offense besides Chris Paul uh, uh, remaining for the team with Devin Booker out, DeAndre Aiden out, the rest of the centers being out. Uh, it looked like um, Mikkel had to be goaded into not, I don't want to make this sound negative. He had to be reminded that it's okay to be aggressive because he right. naturally doesn't think like that. Uh, Cam Johnson has has a max I think he can get to as far as being a go-to scorer. And campaign um, kind of moves too fast for his too fast for his own good. It seems like he's he's having a tougher time this year mm-hmm. trying to be a better campaign than uh, the guy he's been the first two years with the Suns to. Two first two stints where he was just trying trying to totally stay within the offense. What's your take on campaign this year? Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like the shot selection hasn't been terrific, and I think last year a lot of his crafty finishes around the rim kind of shaded over the fact that he was kind of below league average finishing at the basket. Mm-hmm. And I think it's become a little bit more obvious when some of those flip shots and and scoop shots that he does aren't falling like they were last year. Um, mm-hmm. at least as much. So that's been a problem. We, we were asking Monty about, you know, his faith in his guys. And, and he was saying like, we don't want guys looking over their shoulder after they take a shot. And then he joked, except maybe campaign. Cause he takes some <laughs> that, that stick in my craw a little bit is, or the, is the phrase he used. But, um, yeah, I, I think the shot selection could be a little bit better. Um, it does feel like he's been pressing a little bit, especially lately with, with Booker out. It, it feels like he might be trying to do a little bit too much. Um, there's plenty of time in the season to correct that sort of thing, but um, you do kind of want to see him get back to the campaign he was last year a little bit, a um, little bit more efficient three-point shooter as well. Um, so those are all things that have kind of stood out to me so far. Overall this year, uh, campaign is now fourth in shot attempts per game on the team mm-hmm. uh, at 9.6 uh, before last night's game. And a year ago, he was more like eighth or ninth on the team in his ninth on the team in, in shot attempts. Um, yeah. So he's really stepped it up in taking shots this year, uh, 9.6 versus 6.6 a year ago. And his shooting efficiency has gone way down so far. So he's yeah. he's got the worst differential. He's down true shooting down at 48% from 60% a year ago. 60%, that's great from your backup point guard. Yeah. That's really <laughs> great. Uh, he had 44% on his threes, which really helps because those get extra credit in the true shooting. Um, and uh, that minimized his shots inside the paint. This year, um, he's been overly aggressive or extra aggressive in getting uh, driving into the defense, but doing it in such a way that he doesn't get a lot of free throws. So mm-hmm. it's, it's been a, it's been an adjustment for him. And I think, I think he's just trying to, you know, I think Monty's trying to get all the guys, all the wings, Cam Johnson, Mikel Bridges, uh, Jay Crowder, even to an extent and uh campaign to diversify their offense. So they're not shooting almost every shot inside the three point line. Uh, right. And the one guy who's been, super successful at it so far this year is the most surprising one at Jay Crowder. What did you, what do you think about Jay Crowder's inside the, inside the three point line game this year? Yeah. I think the other night I, 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 or Kellen, I can't remember who had asked Monty about what he's been doing as far as, cause they were playing shorthanded again and Crowder had that good 
I think it was a season high, like 17 or 19, something like that. And it wasn't just threes. You know, when you think of Jay Crowder going off, you think of, okay, he probably hit like six threes or something crazy because he's that kind of streaky mm-hmm. shooter. But he was, you know, pump faking, putting the ball on the ground and being decisive with it. Like we've seen him pump fake and kind of dribble himself out of threes, run himself off the three-point line, which is something the Suns don't want him to do. But he has really worked on that on that floater game and, and the you know the floaty celebration on the arms has been coming out a lot more lately. Um, yeah, because he's he, I mean he's been hitting them, um, mm-hmm. and just his ability to kind of as Monty calls it make fine guys on the backside. You know, when the mm. defense rotates over and there's somebody open in the corner on the weak side of the defense, Crowder's usually a pretty good guy that can find open shooters in that way um, and keep that Suns offense moving, which is huge when you don't have a guy like Devin Booker, who's pretty critical to everything they do on that end. So um, it's it's been good for him, I, I feel like, especially lately, he's kind of stepped up a little bit in terms of scoring and, and taking on a little bit more responsibility with some guys out. Absolutely. So, yeah, so the the Suns, I think, are intentionally, and I don't know if it's the coaching staff or it's the players or both, but they're intentionally trying to diversify their offense. Uh, and what's interesting is, is almost everybody is having a worse start to this season than they did last year as far as their shooting numbers. And yet the Suns are still top 10 offense, top two defense, and have the second best record in the league at 22 and five. If you're going to experiment and still win, that's pretty darn good. And the Suns have been doing that so far this year. I do wonder if in the in the second half of the year, or the last third of the year, uh, they they kind of settle in to more of their last year role, um, as far as the wings anyway. And uh, Mikel Bridges has almost taking catch and shoot threes out of his game for a while. It seems like it's, it's been, it's a while in between his three point shots. And a lot of that is him, him practicing the, you know, getting into the teeth of the defense when they close out on him really hard, which did happen in the playoffs last year and reduces effectiveness. So it's really interesting to, to watch this and yet they're still winning. They're not sacrificing wins to do it. And part of that is, is Chris Paul playing like an MVP caliber player, even though he's shooting a lot less. Him and Devin Booker have given up a couple shots a game so far this year uh, so that the rest of the guys can eat and practice and all that. And I think that's good. Um, but one guy whose game has expanded a bit this year uh, that I want to spend a couple of minutes talking about and should stay expanded and expand even further going forward is DeAndre Ayton. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's really nice is that his shot attempts per game are up two this year, which isn't a ton, but it's still valuable. Mm-hmm. What's what's fun to see is that the types of shot he, shots he's taking, it seems like every week goes by, he's adding more and more um, diverse offense to his game. And what was funny is he's got two examples at backup center this year when he's missed some time. DeAndre Ayton has missed six games with an ankle issue and now a couple of games with the flu issue. And uh, he's had two examples of centers playing in his place, doing very well. JaVale McGee, games of 21 and 15, 19 and 14. Um, And he's all about finishing at the rim Mm -hmm. and being really good at just going through other uh, defenders or going around other defenders using his length to finish at the rim and getting the job done that way on the pick and roll. And, and, and uh, Chris Paul loves uh, ha- having McGee in there for the pick and roll. 
And then he watches Frank Kaminsky, who's really more of the short, short roll passer than a finisher, right? Or a floater guy, right? He shoots floaters. He shoots, man, Frank Kaminsky, when he has 31 point game earlier this year, he made every single flip shot and, and made every perfect pass right before his knee started hurting. And I feel bad for him because uh, he's one of those guys who, who was on the on the cusp of having a really good season, and, and I hope his knee clears up. Um, but any kind of you get a, anytime you get a stress fracture in a, in yeah. a cr- crucial joint like that, it's going to take a while for him to come back. But while he was playing well, he was making his flip shots and he was making passes from the from the short roll on the from the high post or excuse me the high pick and roll. That's what I see more of Aiton adding to his game almost than JaVale McGee's finishing at the rim. Mm-hmm. And especially in the Tuesday night game, right, when he came back after the two days off. He hadn't seen Frank in a couple of weeks do this in games. But all of a sudden, Aiton seems to have in his bag the short roll off the high pick and roll to pass out or or do the flip shot. What, what do you, Tell me what you're seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's been it's been something I've been keeping an eye on for a while because I wanted to do a deep dive into it and then finally did that for this morning. Um, just his growth in the pick and roll and mm-hmm. how much he's added in terms of when he's how he's making himself available on those roles more so than last year. That's something Monty said that he just is a bigger, more available target a lot of times um, because sometimes, you know, last year we would see him roll and that was just kind of the end of it. It was more of a gravity thing than. You know, mm-hmm. I'm going to I'm going to seal you. I'm going to pin you. I'm going to get this ball, and I'm going to finish over the top of you. He's doing that a lot more this year. Yeah, he used to just roll into his defender, like yes. <laughs> as if he, he was hiding behind the defender. Sometimes. Yeah, he's like, okay, I set my pick. I did my job. Like whatever happens from here. Now he's like, no, give, give me <laughs> the ball. Going, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And and I think that's something that's really helped his game. Um, and then you mentioned it, him being out for those five games or whatever it was with the leg contusion early on. Uh, it came at kind of a critical juncture because the Suns were one and three. Everybody was oh, ready right. to hit the panic button. Yeah. Yeah. It was, yeah. It was a leg contusion is what they called it. But mm. um, like he got the chance to watch Frank Kaminsky kind of operate in that pocket there. Um, they like to call it that pocket because of the pocket pass. But like Frank Kaminsky putting the ball on the ground and kind of closing the gap between himself where he's catching the ball and the low man defender, which is how guys play DeAndre Ayton because they don't want him to roll to the rim. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that's really rubbed off. And, and I asked Monty about it last night and he said that he's been, you know, putting in a lot of work with the other bigs and, and with assistant coach Mark Bryant in terms of being more comfortable catching that ball and putting it on the ground, you know, coming to a controlled jump stop, looking for open guys out of those types of plays. And I think we're seeing that like last night was probably one of the best games, if not the best game of his career in terms of operating that short role. Cause mm-hmm. he put the ball on the ground multiple times. He hit that floater. He had a nice attack to the, to the uh, rim for a layup. He had that dunk early on where he didn't even put the ball on the ground, but he caught it from like the free throw line. Like yeah. those are all really encouraging signs of progress. And, and as he continues to grow as a passer too, that'll be even better. Yeah, absolutely. One and, and another thing he's adding as well as that is a, a really uh, reliable turnaround hook shot, kind of like mm-hmm. a, a one-handed flip, right? Mm-hmm. So, and he's doing that so that he can take advantage of a smaller guy. But I think he even did it a couple of times on Nurkic 
or at least once on Nurkic last night, which is which is really good in that uh, you know size against size because he he's just the thing about Aiden is he he loves to absorb the contact on defense. He he uses it. He absorbs contact every play on defense, but he's never wanted to absor- to initiate contact on offense. He wants free and clear, you know, shot at the basket, and uh, so people call him soft because of that offensive uh, issue. But defensively, he's never been afraid of contact. It's just that he doesn't want with the ball in his hands contact, and now he's starting to use that a little bit more to his advantage. So that's good too. He's getting deeper seals, and he's he's doing a turnaround flip shot that doesn't require um, him to actually shoulder up right through somebody's face. So, mm-hmm. so that's 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 been uh, a good development as well. I'm hoping this this does show well for uh, diversifying his offensive game. I'm mm-hmm. always going to be a little disappointed that this is what gets people more excited than the fact <laughs> that he was an incredible defender already and helped the Suns get to the finals because of his defense and his ability as a versatile defender to play defense against anyone at any time. He even saved with Dame most of the time last, last game. There was a couple of times Dame got past him but on drives, but most of the time he stayed with Dame and then he blocked Steph Curry a couple, uh, once uh, last week as well. So those are, those are interesting. Um, that, that's an interesting development offensively for Aiton. Um, I'm always going to be a little frustrated that that's where people get excited, but it's still, it is, it's fun. It's fun to watch him do well offensively um, outside of just getting the easy putbacks and, and, and dunks and all that. Um, so that's, that's a great, what, what else have you seen from the team in the first third of the season that looks different um, and may or may not be sustainable or, or something they want to keep going? Anything else? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing for me is that this is just a resilient and focused group, which is hard to do when you're a team that is capable of flipping that switch and kind of knows like it's hard to get up for say the wizards in December coming up on Thursday. It's hard to get up for some of these teams that just don't, you know, you're not going to see them in the playoffs. And we kind of saw it a little bit last year too, how they would play with their food a little bit and let lesser teams back in games. Mm Um, but the way that they've been able to flip the switch this year, especially in fourth quarters, it's just basically like, we know we're better than you. We're going to play like it for this five minute stretch. We're going to put this game away and that there's not a lot you can do about it. Um, that's something that, you know, when, when they get up for the good teams, they don't have to worry about that as much because they do get up for those games where they have that motivation. It's just hard to make it through an 82 game slog when you're coming off another short, historically short off season and a finals run that took a lot out of you mentally, physically, emotionally. Um, so I, I've been impressed with the way that they've started this season. Obviously the 18 game win streak was cool, um, but they're just very good when they need to be. And, and that's something that it can be frustrating, but that's something that great teams do where they are able to flip that switch the way the Suns have. Um, and the fact that they've been able to do it with so many guys in and out of the rotation, it feels like everybody has missed a couple of games here and there with something. So um, just a really a strong start to the season. And I think what's scary is that this is nowhere near as good as this team might look in April when they're really locked in. Yeah, last year, exactly. Last year, they started out better on defense than offense. Mm-hmm. And uh, suddenly around February 1, they flipped the switch and became so good offensively that they were number one in the league for most of the second half of the regular season offensively. 
and they were so good that they their defense um, uh, fell apart a little bit. But then they got to the playoffs, and the Suns' offense was actually not as good in the playoffs. And part of that was because these guys who uh, who who had led the team, which is Chris Paul and, and Devin Booker, got schemed against defensively. And the other wings didn't have much diversity in their games beyond three pointers. So if they went great, if they didn't go, then it was tough and you had to win on defense. And that's why they're diversifying a little bit. Uh, the Suns are now, and you say when the, when it's time to flip the switch, the Suns are ready to flip it. That's absolutely true. The Suns are now 12 and one in the clutch this year after finishing last year, winning 20 of their last 25 clutch games before the playoffs started and of course going 14 and eight in the playoffs uh, 14 and four until the until the bitter end there um happened and it was just it's just incredible watching chris paul actually operate in the clutch on tuesday night against the blazers the suns were down 89 83 at one point with about six minutes left if i recall a little over six minutes left and then suddenly chris paul decided okay Now's the time to actually focus and get this team focused. And he and he just led the Suns inexorably to that win. The Suns now 12 and 1 in the clutch. They're only 11th in minutes, total clutch minutes played so far, but they lead the league in wins. And they lead the league in plus minus, total plus minus of a plus 56 by 17 point. No other team is better than a plus 39 in the clutch this year. Mm-hmm. And the Suns are plus 56 in the clutch. That's how clutch, how good they are in the clutch. And we're yeah. taking it, we're, we're, we're taking it for granted these days. We know if the game is close, the Suns are just going to pull it out. Um, I know at some point there's going to be some slump that happens, but uh, we're, we're seeing some, some very, very good days here in Phoenix and, and we should all just be, you know, just to enjoy it while it's happening. And I think people are, I know the Suns fan base has been, I mean, I, I, we say toxic on Twitter, but it's really it hasn't been. And I think this year people have been just so much happier and more chill about what's going on because we all have comfort level in knowing that the Suns are good and they're going to finish well. And if they lose, it was an off night and, and it won't last. And there's nothing to panic about. Although we still see trade ideas after every loss, there haven't been many losses. Uh, so even, even that's kind of, kind of died down a little bit. Um, so what do you think is going to happen in the next uh, uh, let's in the next few weeks? The Suns have a tougher schedule. They play most of their games against winning teams the rest of this month, which is a little bit of a change of pace from the first part of the season. They haven't played that many winning teams. Sure, they beat the leaders in the East and the Nets and leaders in the West and Golden State. Um, that wasn't on a back-to-back. The Nets one was on a back-to-back, and they won that one. Um, let's uh, let's talk about the rest of this month, though. They're, they're going to play a lot of the contenders in, on each side. How do you think the Suns are going to do? I I mean, I think they'll fare, fare pretty well. I, I think they'll probably continue on at the same similar winning pace. Um, obviously, the schedule gets a little bit tougher, but it's also not as condensed as November was, and I think that was a huge thing. Um, you know, they played 16 games in a calendar month in November and right. won them all. Um, so that was really impressive to me. And, and I feel like, you know, like I said, they're a team that likes to get up for the big games. They need that kind of, um, that kind of motivation to have like a goal or an objective or, or something driving them on a night to night basis. Cause you know, we've seen this the last two years. It's hard to get up for some of these lesser teams when you know that you have bigger aspirations 
than some game in you know November. So I, I think with the you know I'm really looking forward to the Christmas Day game, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a lot of good teams coming up, a lot of tests that they will view them as like challenges or or tests or kind of a litmus test for where they're at. Um, so it's, it's going to be fun. I, I think this is, especially if Devin Booker gets healthy here soon again, mm. they get guys back in the rotation and aren't so shorthanded. You know, right now they're kind of, I don't want to say running on fumes, but they're eking out wins however they can. They've got a lot of guys out. Once they get those guys back, I, I think we'll see this team start to be a little bit more like fully operational. Yeah, one final comment I'll make is I feel bad for Jalen Smith. His sense of timing is just horrendous yeah uh, there was one point in his rookie year where he had a chance to get um early on some run because of injuries and he got sick at that point and now again this past weekend he got sick so even he had his best game as a pro on friday night um backing up javel mcgee when deandre Aiden was first out with a sickness and he had seven points and nine rebounds in uh in only 20 some minutes that was so much better than his double double in 41 minutes to end the end last season and better than any other game of his career. And then he, he unfortunately gets sick. They really needed him Monday. He could have had a good, I mean, at least a good showing. Um, so I, I do, uh, you know, rest in peace to um, Jalen Smith's career. I hope, I hope it goes well somewhere. Um, but man, he just seems snake bitten here. Uh, yep. So tell us where we can find you, Gerald, on, on all around the, all around the webs. Yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Gerald Borgay, which is nice that I've no longer been hacked. That's been a great. <laughs> You're not Borgay Gerald anymore. Yeah, no Borgay Gerald, no Zewio anymore. Um, <laughs> and you can read my work at gophnx.com. That's where all my son stuff is going. Yeah, uh, Gerald does a great, great job writing for um, uh, the PHNX Sports Network. And uh, obviously, you can see him as well on their videos, on their podcasts. They do, they do them online. Uh, you guys and YouTube, you can see him as well. So just follow Gerald wherever you go. That's great, great sons coverage. Thank you so much for joining me today, Gerald. You can find me. Yeah, go ahead. Thank you for the kind words. I appreciate that. It's been, uh, it's nice that we finally get to do some of our best work for a, a team that's at its best from what we've seen for sure. Absolutely. You can find me, Dave King NBA on Twitter. Uh, you can find my writing at brightsideofthesun.com and of course this uh, podcast. So again, thank you, Gerald. And yes, we're very, very fortunate to be covering a great team right now. So uh, I'll, I'll be seeing you around the arena in the next, probably tomorrow night. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, bye.